In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Hello, third service, number three. Yeah, it's good to be with you. Thanks for coming to third service and not second service. It's too many people, too many people stressing us out, um, which is funny. I mean, it's a good problem to have, but it's just with these ropes, you know. There's not enough room for everybody, and um, it's getting nicer, some people sitting outside, so that's good. But thank you very much for coming to third service. And if you ever wanted to change services, go to 8, 8 a.m., don't go to 9.30. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting time in Phoenix. We've come through this heat, right? So we're rejoicing a little bit, and we're all nervous to rejoice because the world seems a little bit tumultuous right now. But we can rejoice. We have come through something of COVID, right? I mean, it's not right now what it was when we had no idea what was happening, it's not right now what was like peaking and, and, and all of that in, in June. So in some ways, I think it's okay to rejoice. I'm trying to like remind myself to like enjoy this time because I don't know what's coming next, you know? Seems like there are storm clouds on the horizon, but, but right now we're definitely in this season where um, we're, we're, we're on the comeback trail, it seems like in some ways. And so try and enjoy it. Try and make the most of it. Try and not solve all the political problems every second of every day in your life. Every once in a while, just remember that there's some goodness and, and, uh, and rejoice. Because, again, we don't know what the future holds, and we might, um, we might have some more tough things. We don't know. We don't know. But we're going to be in John chapter 9. If you want to turn there, um, welcome all the online people, our online church. Again, church is a little different these days. We've We've always, we've been live streaming for a long time, but now like a big chunk of our church that would be in person is meeting on home because of concerns, health concerns and all of that. And so we want to welcome them and uh, we love hearing from you. We can't see you. So if you want to email me or, or put something there on the little um, message boards, that would be great. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, you people that are here, we don't want to hear from you at all. So did you, no, just kidding. We'd love to hear from you guys what's going on, any testimonies of things the Lord is doing. Um, it's really encouraging to us to hear those things or challenges that are going on um, because it is. We're coming out of this like isolation and even people that have been tracking with us, even people that um, I know very well, it's funny, they're telling me that they just, they still just feel like they're coming through, they're coming out of even like depression and and isolation and, and all this. So please reach out. Um, please keep reaching out to people. Just go through your, your contacts and just pick somebody every once in a while you haven't heard from. Just make sure they're doing okay. But also, if you're not doing okay, please reach out to someone. Um, you're not supposed to do this alone. And one other thing, as a church, we, we have our starting point luncheon coming up next week. And that's basically, for anybody that's newer to the church, um, which all of us are new to the church because six months ago we shut it down in some ways. Um, but if, if you want to come to that starting point, get to know some other people, um, get to know some of the leaders in the church, um, as well as get a meal 
and uh, start getting connected. We'd love to have you come to that. It will be next week after third service. Um, so again, come to third service. If you're watching this later, don't ever come to 9 o'clock, 9.30 service. It's horrible. We don't even have it. We canceled it, actually. No, just kidding. We didn't. Um, so, but that's what's going on. We have baptism coming up next Sunday. It's like our ninth baptism, 10th, 8th, ninth baptism, and we have nine people that want to get baptized now. So it's not our ninth baptism. It's our ninth baptizing service. We've baptized a lot more than that, but we have nine, and uh, it's, I mean, 10 is just a better number, you know, so, you know, anybody? Anybody? No. Um, you could talk to Kurt Cotter right there. Uh, email Kurt at livingstreams.org or email me and, and we'll figure out how to get you connected and get you baptized. Um, and the last thing is a men's conference coming up next weekend. And I think this is really important. We normally do our, our men's retreat up in Williams um, and we just kind of all sleep in the same place, breathe each other's breath, but that doesn't sound cool this year. Um, not sure it sounds that cool any year, breathing other people's breath. But uh, we're doing it right here. And we're actually joining with Phoenix Rescue Mission and Church on the Street. We're going to have this really cool gathering of people from, from Phoenix in the city. And, uh, and it's going to be a good time. And I think guys just really need a lot of encouragement right now. Um, not to say women don't need encouragement, but you're just a little tougher, I think. Um, so there's a lot of guys, I think, who feel like they're supposed to, you know, be strong and protect their family and all these things. And that's been really hard um, to do this year. So if you know a guy that needs some encouragement, encourage him to come to this so he can get encouragement. Um, or like if, if you want, just like set up, like, hey, let's go to dinner. I'll meet you at the church. Um, and then just don't show up. Just he'll show up. And then you don't show up. And then Kurt will be like, gotcha. You know, and you guys could set it all up. No, we won't do that unless you want us to. But we'll have to check, make sure that's okay. <laughs> um, anyways, John chapter 9 Let's jump in. This is a wonderful story. John can sometimes, they're long chapters, and sometimes he kind of speaks in a way that's a little bit, you know, hard to process and understand, but this, this is just so good right here. John chapter 9, verse 1. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So Jesus noticed this man who was, who was blind, and as he noticed him, his disciples' attention went to that person as well. And, and, and they asked this question. And Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So basically, again, Jesus notices this guy, and obviously there's something different about him. He's blind. That has a whole bunch of connotation, both you know, in today's world as well as that world. Um, in this moment, the disciples actually say, oh, Jesus is looking at the blind person. Jesus is thinking about the blind person. So they wanted to add to that and kind of show him how much they know. And they said, Jesus, was it this person or his parents' sin? that caused this blindness because that was the thought of the debate was not whether this person you know this is a result of one of their sins this is like judgment of god it was was it the parents or the or this or his that caused this because he was born this way and jesus kind of as he always does answers in a way that is from a completely different perspective altogether and he says no you're you're totally wrong 
all of the answers you think are right are wrong, <laughs> which is a funny thing to hear. It's kind of how I felt in some of my math classes at times. Um, but anyways, it's like Jesus is saying, you, you're totally focused on the wrong thing. He actually says this. This was done so you would know the works of God. Now again, for those of us that know Jesus and have read this story, we're like, okay, cool, yeah, you know, Jesus is going to heal the guy and we're going to be like, bam, what's up, works of God. But that, that's not what Jesus is saying. He hasn't healed the person yet. He's basically wanting the disciples to understand and wanting this blind man to understand that God is up to something. God has purpose. We don't need to just focus on cause and origins, but we need to focus on purpose. And God has purpose in this. And then he goes on and talks about how we need to work the works of God as long as we can because night is coming where it's going to be more difficult. And then after saying this, he spit on the ground. He made some mud with the saliva, ew, and put it on the man's eyes, ew, ew. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. <laughs> this, I mean, there's, there's no way that people who can see could ever know how dramatic a moment this would be. All his life, he has never seen anything. And in one moment, he comes out of this water and he's flooded with light, color, contrast, depth. I don't know, art people say the other words that I don't know what to say. I mean, all of it. It's just, it's a, it's, he can see it all in this moment. So he's pretty pumped. He's pretty pumped. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But then he was like, you want to know what I think? <laughs> and he says, I am the person. I'm the one. And they're like, how then were your eyes opened? He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He left out the saliva part because it's gross. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed, and then I could see. I mean, this, first of all, the disciples basically are with Jesus, and Jesus' attention goes to this person, and, and they say, oh, is it this guy who's, who's horrible or his parents who's horrible? I mean, political correctness, I wasn't like really working in, in the system at that point. And then, and then he goes on, and this guy's actually able to see now. He's walking around, he's like, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. He's seeing all these people that he's never seen before, and they're like, is this the guy that used to sit and beg all the time? Nah, that's not the guy who's sitting and beg. And he's like, I'm the guy who's sitting there. And they're like, nah, and they're all divided about it. They don't even give, because they saw him as a beggar, because they saw him as a blind man, he has no voice. And he's there, and he's like, I am, the, I am him. I used to be blind. I could see. Do you understand what's going on here? And, and they don't. They don't at all. But, and then this is, this is what they do. Um, 
And they asked him, where is the man who healed you? And he said, I don't know. So they brought him to the Pharisees. Verse 14, now the day on which Jesus made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, I washed and now I see. It's just getting more and more concise because you can understand the frustration. He's like, people, do you understand what's happening in my life right now? And they're like, mm, I don't really think you were blind. Let's take them to the Pharisees because they'll know what to do with this. And then the Pharisees are like, okay, what happened? And uh, he tells them, and then some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God who did this, for he did not keep the Sabbath. You can only imagine what's going on in this guy's mind right now. Are, are, you, are you serious? You're mad at this guy? But others ask, well, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided, and we know that. John's making that very clear, right? Jesus was very popular. They wanted to make him king just a couple chapters ago. In just a few more chapters, they're gonna wanna crucify him because they hate him so much. I mean, Jesus just, it's just, there's a lot of division about Jesus still today. There's a lot of opinions about Jesus still today, no doubt about it. And, and, and John tells us that the reason there's all those opinions is because people who see don't really want to see. They prefer the darkness to the light. And that's true in our world today. People want to suppress the truth because they don't want to have to make changes. They don't want people to see the truth about them. And as long as they're in that space, they can never be healed. So anyways, they go on. There's a lot of division about Jesus. Once again, then they turned again to the blind man and said, what do you have to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. And the man was like, he's a prophet. Like, he's from God. That's all I know. I don't know anything. He's from God. He's got to be because I, I couldn't see stuff, and now I'm seeing everything. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. You getting how frustrating this must be for this guy? He's like, yeah, I was blind. And his friends were like, nah, we don't think it was him. Let's take him to the Pharisees. The Pharisees are like, were you blind? He's like, I was blind. They're like, nah, let's get his parents. So now his parents come. And, and they ask him, is this the one that was born blind? How can he see? Verse 20, he says, we know he is our son, the parents answered. We know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's a grown up. He's of age. He will speak for himself. But his parents were saying this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged Jesus was from God or Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. So that's why the parents said, talk to him. Don't talk to us. You creep us out. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God and tell the truth. They said, we know this man is a sinner. He replied, look, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I know, I was blind, and I could see everything. I was blind, and now I can see. And I, I don't know how to not see now. I just can't help see it. Every time I open my eyes, it's like, bam, everything's there. I used to be so good at not seeing. I used to be the best at not seeing. I used to be awesome at it. And now, no matter how hard I try, I just keep seeing. Even when I close my eyes, I can see the back of my eyelids and whatever light's coming through. I was just seeing all the time. 
I was blind, but now I can see. I cannot deny, I cannot go back. Jesus has changed everything. And then they said, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And then it's just awesome. He's like, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Right, so there, this, this is fighting words. But here's this guy. He spent his entire life blind, rejected, judged that either he is evil or his parents were evil, and that's why he's done. He's been ridiculed, he's been shamed, he's been left out. He's had to beg just to survive. Even his parents have just, you know, created some separation from him. He's not, he's not afraid of some insults or some ridicule. It's all he's ever known in his life. And not to mention the other thing is he can see now. So he's not afraid of these people and what they're going to do. He's like, I can see. If you try and punch me, I can see it coming now. I mean, he can see. He's so pumped. He's so excited. And these guys are trying to rain on his parade. We used to make a joke with these guys. I I lived in this school of ministry one time. There's a bunch of guys. We all live in this house. And uh, and we used to, we like, it was so funny because sometimes guys would come home and they had just been with a girl they, like, they liked. They went on a date or they were hanging out. Or, and sometimes we could even see him because it was like out of church where we, and we'd be like, ha, ah, he likes her. And then he'd come home. And we always have this joke that they would come home with this girl glow. And it was like no matter what you said to them, they would just laugh and be like, oh, that's funny, you know. Or, and like literally sometimes we would just go up and be like, watch, I'm going to go punch him. And he's going to be happy about it. And sure enough, we could go punch him. And he's just so excited because he was like, you know, got to hang out with that girl. And he's so excited. And you punch him and he's like, that's cool, man. Don't worry about it. And you're like, that's so weird. But that's this guy. I mean, this guy is glowing. He can see now. And these guys are trying to rain on his parade. It's not going to work. So he just starts messing with them. Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from, which is a consistent theme in the book of John. But John makes it clear in John chapter one, right? In the beginning was the word, was Jesus. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. John's trying to make it very clear. These guys did not know where he comes from, but John made it very clear where he came from. He's God. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And so that's what they say. We don't even know where he comes from, the man answered. Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. Here's someone doing the work of God, and you don't even know anything about him. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. It's like a junior high response right there. When Jesus heard that that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe in the Messiah? Do you believe in the one? This is what he's saying in this first century. Do you believe that God is sending someone into the world to take away the sins of the world? I mean, that's what John said about Jesus. I mean, when he was, ta- he was declaring that Jesus was the Messiah, John the Baptist said, behold the one who takes away the sin of the world. Behold the one who is coming to undo all the damage that sin has done. And now he's saying to this one, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the guy says, who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. 
right? He didn't say this. He's like, you're looking at him. You know those eyes that used to not see anything? Right now, they're seeing the Son of Man. And that right there, is, it just makes so much sense that Jesus had, had marked this day on his calendar before the foundation of the world. This was not a surprise. This was not a moment. This was not something that just kind of happened. But this was, this was God setting up a moment in a man's life who had known nothing but frustration and pain, now being able to see the salvation of God. And this is way bigger than his eyes. And that's what Jesus is trying to say here. He goes on and he says, who is he? Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who think they can see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, what, are we blind too? And Jesus said, if you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. And so Jesus is trying to do something here, and John's trying to help us understand what Jesus was trying to do in this thing. This was not just about healing. Does God heal? Yes. Has God healed? Yes. Will God heal? He's continuing to heal. But all of those healings are not to show us that God heals every disease in the moment immediately. But each one of the healings that we receive in the natural is basically something that's supposed to help us understand the work of God and what he's going to do in all of the world. Does that make sense? Track with me here. Let's go back to the beginning. Jesus said this was not about the sin of the parents. This was so the work of God could be revealed. Because what is the work of God? The work of God is to undo the damage that sin has done. That's the work of God in the world. That's the work of Jesus sent by God. That is the whole thing. So whenever we see someone healed, that's awesome and wonderful, and we should pray for people to be healed. All of those things are good, but we need to understand that that's just a sign, that's just a kind of indicator, that's an appetizer, so to speak, to help us know the work that God has promised to do for all of creation forevermore. And so when we, when we go back and we start processing this, it's so cool because Jesus saw this blind man. He saw him. And God can see every infirmity. He can see the result of sin. And it is true. He says that it wasn't this man's sin or his parents' sin, but it is sin that brought this about. It was just Adam and Eve's sin. There was no um, disease or disorder in the world in the garden. Behold, all things were good, the Bible says. But when mankind decided, you know what, I think I know better than God. I think I'm going to go against what God said. Um, when, when mankind was deceived, and they took and they ate of that fruit. Sin entered the world, and what happened was sin and death came in. Disease and disorder came. And now we as humanity, we've been living under the shadow of death ever since. Sin and death reign in our mortal bodies. True or false? True. Ever wake up in the morning and be like, oh, what was that? That's sin and death going, ha ha, we got you. The fact that 100% of the people die. 
is proof that sin and death reign in our mortal bodies. The fact that there are blind people, the fact that there are people with other diseases is proof that sin reigns in this life. And Jesus sees every single one of the diseases and disorders that we have. Diseases that our children have, diseases that we might have, diseases that um, our loved ones have. Jesus sees that. He sees all the disorders that we have. Maybe it's a disordered desire where we long for something that is evil or wrong. And yet it's so in us that it's such a painful thing to try and resist. He sees that. He knows that. And, when, and when, when, the, when the question comes from our own hearts about something we're facing or the question comes to somebody else's hearts that's looking at someone who says, what's the problem? What's the sin? What's the cause of this? And what Jesus is trying to do is help his disciples and help us get our mind off the cause because sin is the cause. But what's the purpose? What's the purpose? Why would God allow for sin to reign and death to rule? Why would God allow there to be pain in the world? And depending on what your theological background, why would God cause some of these things? And that's what Jesus is saying, so that, so that you can understand what the works of God are so that you can know the glory of God. This is very deep stuff, but your third service, 8 a.m., I didn't have much hope for. It's too early. But your third service, you've been awake. You've already been running and jogging, and I don't know what you've done, but some of you just woke up, I know. This is some deep, deep stuff right here. Because the first thing we gotta understand is that Jesus is calling us to see people, to engage with people. I mean, what our, our motto here at the church is, we want to put God's glory on display, we want to build courageous people, we want to engage in society's pain. And that's led us to do a lot of stuff with foster care in years past. This summer, it's led us to really figure out how we can get involved with the black community and what's going on there because they're crying out with pain and frustration. So we're trying to learn what we can do and trying to link arms. And I've sat at the feet of some awesome black men that have really been able to teach me a lot of neat things that are gonna steer the USS living streams into some of those things. But we gotta see people. And one of the things that I was, I was reading this passage and I was studying it and I was like, wait a second. Every day I drive past the Center for Blind Children on Northern right there. Super cool building. But I drive right past it and I'm like, I don't know really what's going on there. But that's a part of our community. One of the things that I learned this summer is that your, your, your church or your table should reflect your community and who the Lord's calling you to serve. And then I thought about in our church, we have a guy, Frank, who's been around our church for a long time and he's blind. So I called him up and I was like, hey Frank, can we talk? I gotta ask you some questions about what I can learn or what you would want us to know in regards to how we can link arms with you. Get our shoulder under the burden you're carrying. You can teach us some things. And he said, well, let's not do it over the phone. Let's do it in person. So we're going to meet up. And I text one of the guys who's in this service right now, and I said, hey, you work, your, your job is to help blind people find jobs. Can you tell me some things? 
And he told me some things. It's like we gotta see people, we gotta see what's going on, we gotta engage in society's pain. We gotta figure out, I, I, have, I have a daughter who um, who's born, was born with spina bifida. She was born without being able to feel basically from her hips down. And so she can't walk. And we found out it was heavy news, but it's been so interesting because, you know, she's a, she turned 11 yesterday, which is awesome. And, uh, and we have one family that we go to their house sometimes and they have bought a bunch of ramps. So they have ramps all over their house. So whenever we come in, they put out the ramps. And we come in and Bell's just like, wah, 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 you know, going around, wheeling all over. It's awesome. I'm not saying everyone here should get ramps. and Don't invite me over if you don't got ramps. Nothing like that, no. I'm just saying it's just kind of a way that they've decided, hey, let's just, let's just get involved, you know. Let's just join in. Another family that, you know, our daughter's friends with, they actually bought their daughter a wheelchair so that... I went through two services, no problem. But it, it means a lot. So they bought, they bought their daughter a wheelchair so when they go out, they can like go to the mall and they can wheel together and it's pretty cool. And I think that's, that's, that's it's just engaging. You know, we gotta be careful we're not judging, obviously, like these disciples, but we gotta, and pity is not a good thing either. It's, it's, it's saying how can we actually join our lives together? That's what I love. It's not just in the temple. It's gotta be at the table. It's gotta be real. It's so easy as for, for us to pretend in this place, right? It's got to be real. It's got to be real. And I love this. So Jesus saw them, and he's helping his disciples to see those people. Um, but then he's trying to get them to move from judgment and pity to really understanding the beauty and the glory of what God's doing. He's trying to get them to move in their understanding uh, um, towards these things. And so he starts to talk about, you know, it's not cause, it's purpose. And he starts to talk about that this is all so that, that ultimately the glory of God, the work of God could be displayed. And, and, it, and, it, and it brings me to mind with this, with this um, understanding that Tim Keller brought forth in one of his books. And what he says is that the gospel has the audacity to claim that what God is up to, the work of God in the world, is he's, is he's trying to make everything sad come untrue. And I love the way that that's phrased. And that's, I mean, it's really, really intense. But he's, God's plan is to make everything sad come untrue. So here he is giving these guys a taste of something sad coming untrue. But this isn't the way he does it every time. He, he's doing this overall creation. This is a taste of what he plans to do over all of creation in time as he returns to restore everything. So this gives us hope. This is the appetizer that we're, we're all headed towards. We're all, we're all going towards this time where, where everything sad will come true. But then Tim Keller adds this. But somehow it will all be better for having once been broken. Whoa. Whoa. It is true, the gospel declares in the face of all opposition that God is going to make everything sad come untrue in time. But the wonder of it all is that somehow it will be better for having once been broken. And that is a heavy thing. It's a different way to view pain. It's a biblical way to view pain, not an American way to view pain. Americans, we think pain is bad. We avoid it at all costs. We try and insulate ourselves from all pain. And then 
when we're nervous that we might actually you know, have to use some of the reserves we've saved up because of some of the trouble. We look to the government and, and the government gives us a PPP, so then we don't even have to use the reserves that we've stored up for paying off. You know I mean, we just, the insulation that we desire is so intense. And I'm not making any political claim about PPVs, but I'm just saying this is our mindset as Americans. How do we insulate ourselves so that we never have to deal with pain? That is not a theology of pain that comes from the Bible. Jesus actually said, if you follow me hard enough and long enough, you're gonna end up at the cross. Not just as a bystander like John does, but you're gonna be the one on the cross. But that cross leads to resurrection. Sin and death, they have all of our lives, all of our, you know, everything we've ever known, sin and death, and we get through the end of the day and they're just high-fiving each other, like you see all that pain and agony we cause, you see all that dissension, all that division, all that hatred, they're just high-fiving each other all day long. Look at what we did. And then, and then at one point, there came this Jesus guy, and Jesus was healing people, and sin and death got a little nervous, because they're like, what's this guy about? And he, Jesus was actually saying he was taking on sin and death. He was going to defeat sin and death. And they were getting a little nervous, but then when they saw that cross, they saw Jesus on that cross and that blood coming out. And they watched him get weaker and weaker until finally he gave up. They started high-fiving each other again, saying we still reign over all of humanity. And then about, I don't know how many hours later, I was gonna try and do the math, but it's not gonna work. There was an earthquake that woke up sin and death and everything else. And then there were some angels that showed up. And then there was a big stone rolling around. And Jesus rose from the dead. And sin and death's power was broken. And, and what happened was now Jesus is that first fruits of resurrection. He was the first sad thing to come untrue forevermore. He was the first thing to go from corruptible to incorruptible. He was the first one to experience resurrection life, a life that can never die. And then he looked to all of his followers and everyone who would hear him and said, you want to follow me? Because though it is true that you will go to a cross, you will also step into resurrection life. You will become incorruptible. And everything sad will come untrue. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus was trying to get everyone to learn. This is what John wanted us to catch from this healing of the man. I'm not trying to take away from healings. Healings are wonderful. I'm praying they happen all the time. We've seen healings in this church. It's wonderful. Guy got healed middle service, second service, even though it's 9.30 service and we don't like them. Just kidding. We like them. And that's wonderful. But all of that is really an appetite. It's just a, it's just a finger pointing to the full restoration that God has planned for us where we'll all be healed. Everything sad will come true. But then we're going to actually see with eyes. We're going to see with resurrection eyes and we will be like this blind man 
and we will be seen for the very first time. Listen to this. The gospel declares that one day we will all have the scales of our fleshly world perspective fall off and we will see for the very first time how good and right and beautiful and true God is. And everything that he has ever willed and done and allowed is also good and right and beautiful and true, even all the crappy stuff. The, the, the transformation, the radical moment where this guy went from never seeing anything to being flooded with all of that pales in comparison to what it will be like for us who are so blind right now to the things of God so blind to the full reality of who God is and what he's doing in the world. When we actually either get Jesus to come back and get us or we go to be with him, it'll be like the first time we will be seeing. We will be flooded with the heavenly perspective and it will be so much more intense than what this guy experienced. Yeah. That is the gospel. That is the truth. That is the God that we're dealing with. We cannot make God temporal. We cannot try and fit him into our worldly paradigms. He's outside of this. And when we see from his perspective, we're going to see that every single pain was not on accident, but actually somehow makes things better for having once been broken. This is our great hope. This is why Jesus died. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see only dimly as a reflection in a mirror. But one day we're going to see face to face, like this guy who could never see. And now the first day that he's seeing, he sees God incarnate, right? That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Now I know in part, Paul says, but then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. We're going to know God fully, even as we are fully known. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your plans, for they are good. And they're way more than good. And I pray that you would help us to hold on, to trust you, to believe, to patiently endure until that day where we get to see it clearly, Lord. And I pray that you would help us to see who it is you're looking at right now in our communities and that we would be able to see them and not be judgmental but we'd be able to love them and link arms with them and Lord I pray for those who are really really at wit's end with the disease and the disorders in their life I pray that today you'd wash them over with hope and peace And if so be, Lord, that you would even give them the healing they've been praying for. We trust you, Jesus. We look to you. 
in this time of uncertainty, we look to you and pray that you would lead us and guide us to those green pastures and still waters.